How do you handle losing your job through no fault of your own? Bosses who swear, threaten, even hit their employees. Foremen who order their staffers to operate under dangerous work conditions. Or supervisors who sexually harass employees. Few of us really know how to hang on to our jobs or what to do if our main source of income is abruptly terminated. Beat the Boss opens the doors on what really happens between the hours of 9 and 5. I didn't sexually harass anybody. I wasn't told by the employee that made the allegations that I was inappropriate or don't do that. All I did was thank her for doing me a favor. So I said thank you very much and I gave her a kiss on the cheek. These are real people in real situations. I left a, a hospital situation. He's come up behind me and gently rubbed my and I asked him to stop doing that. He said, I'll stop punching you, but I will not stop playing with him. Beat the Boss brings real workplace issues and problems to the airwaves and delivers vital information for Americans whose lives depend on keeping their jobs and preserving their dignity. I'm Lisa Carton, along with Spencer Cohn, who has devoted over 20 years to helping folks like you and me navigate the workplace. Spencer is a lawyer, TV pundit, and author, and his latest book is entitled Beat the Boss, Win in the Workplace. Plus, he was also nominated for Person Who Makes a Difference on NBC Nightly News. Is that all you're going to say about me? <laughs> Isn't that enough? Well, no. I think you should mention that I've represented over 30,000 employees nationwide. You just did. Okay, now we're good. Okay. <laughs> what about you? Tell me about yourself. Well, me? What can I say? I've been in television and radio news for about 20 years or so, having been a, a national correspondent and anchor for a major news network, and I'll just leave it at that. All right, I'll go with that. And this podcast is designed for those out of work, those looking for work, or folks currently in a bad situation at their workplace. But just as important, we will be giving employers insight and perhaps a better understanding of how to deal with their employees. And we'll also touch on how the pandemic has affected the workplace, as well as sprinkle in some sound advice. Also, look out for some notable guests. Okay, is that a tease? Yes, that's what you call a tease. Uh, that's It's like what's upcoming to make the people stay and listen. I don't appreciate that. I don't think they do either. <laughs> I think we should tell everybody we've got Sarah Palin here. And here's what Sarah had to say when we told her what we were doing and she shared her thoughts on job loss and its effects. Spencer and Lisa, right on. You're fulfilling great purpose. You know, employees and employers uh, will benefit so greatly. Those who are struggling as unemployed workers looking for work. Um, I know, you know, personally and as a boss and as a former manager, a city manager and a governor that uh, Sometimes it's really tough to pick yourself up when a job is lost. As governor, it, it really weighed on me when jobs would be lost up here. Uh, you know, we're so reliant on responsible natural resource development projects. So when things would get shut down and uh, guys and gals would get laid off and, you know, often have to move or often have to uh, retrain to um, find another line of work. And it, it's so disruptive uh, to families, to communities, um, of course, to individuals. So to have some help through times like that, that you're providing, Beat the Boss, thank you for doing that. You know, man was created to work. And when there is 
unemployment, when people cannot find work or are not fitting into jobs that are available, it creates a lot of societal challenges, a lot of societal ills like ultimately, you know, subpar education and security threats and ill health even because we're supposed to be productive. We're supposed to be out there working. So thanks for doing all that you can to help to help everybody and most importantly recognize what solutions are to the challenges that uh, the workforce and those in the workforce face. Right on. So keep up the great work. Uh, more power to you. Spencer and Lisa, you're fulfilling great purpose. God bless you. She really gets it. Her responses were very thoughtful. People like Sarah or other guests, which you'll hear in a moment, seem to call it the way it is. They're speaking honestly. It's kind of refreshing and definitely no political overtone, Sarah. She's very candid. I always say hiring an employee is analogous to that television show, Let's Make a Deal. I always wanted to be Carol Merrill. Not Vanna Way. Nah. Well, it's not too late. You, you got the looks. <laughs> And you don't have carpal tunnel syndrome in your hand, right? And I don't see uh, arthritis in your shoulder, so you can still point at the curtain. Thank you, but I'm really not sure how to answer this. Anyway, at the end of Let's Make a Deal, the contestant chooses a curtain. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And usually one of the curtains selected turns out to be a cow. A cow or a... A goat. A goat or, right? a, or a clown. Right. In the same way, employers never know what they'll get after hiring someone, even after the most stringent hiring process. So what does the employer do except the cow? Yes, absolutely. Really? I had a client who worked for his employer for 17 years. The employer was aware of his opioid problem on day one. So my client was a few minutes late to work one day due to the effect of the drugs, and the employer used it as an opportunity to say he violated the attendance policy and fired him. I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but employers should accept who they've hired for who they are. An employer-employee relationship is no different than a married couple. And in some aspects, a closer bond exists. You're with the employer seven to eight hours a day. Well, that's true. I used to call one of my anchors my work husband. Right. Obviously, my client was a valued employee for 17 years. Drugs or no drugs. Wow. The employer didn't keep him around all that time because he was useless. The employer was having a bad day and acted impulsively. Employers and employees always act impulsively. You know, sometimes acting impulsively is a good thing, and sometimes it's not. Starting this podcast was an impulsive decision, right? I'm, I'm aware. In this case, the employer should have continued to nurture him all along. Spend the money to rehabilitate the employee. Or, I agree with that. Or give him paid time off to cure his problem, not make attendance an issue for letting him go. I see that. But I mean, after all, the employer made the commitment to hire the individual. What you're saying is work with the employee. They kind of do that in baseball. Exactly. Right? If a ball player's numbers are down, don't they send him down to the minors for rehab yeah. or make them better? Yeah. Like make their swing better? Yeah. Or, or they, they, they pitch better? Exactly. Or they maybe they'll trade them, but... <laughs> I mean, they don't just automatically give up on them. No, exactly. Okay, so I, I want to switch gears for a moment. Listen to this, Lise. What if you go to work, and before you clock in or hang up your jacket, you're asked to come into the conference room, and as you walk over, aye, aye, aye. <laughs> you pass the security guard who happens to be in the area. Never seen him before, but he's there now. Then you walk in the room 
where waiting for you is the human resources manager and your supervisor who begin to tell you how you're a good person, mm. right? But you're not meeting their expectations, and unfortunately, today's your last day. You're stunned. You're shocked. Oh, you know the feeling? Well, yeah. Everyone has had that happen some point in their career. Very, very true. I mean, you want to respond, but you really can't because you don't know what to say or, or do. I know what I want to do. <laughs> exactly. I know what you want to do. You want to take a big swing at the human resources manager's head, but you don't. Most HR managers are just waiting for you to explode. They expect it. That's why you generally see a security guard hanging around the corner. <sighs> don't get confrontational. You know, I lunge at him. I mean, early in my career... Yeah. I mean, I'd want to grab his balls and twist him. If it, I mean, if it was a woman, I'd lunge and bitch slap her. <laughs> Settle down there, Rocky. But you, you want to keep your cool. You must keep your cool. The employer will likely tell you you've committed misconduct or violated their policy and ask that you return your badge and key and sign a document acknowledging your termination. It's not recommended to run out and refuse to sign. Why not? I know most people are tempted to do just that, but don't. Because the employer is making a reasonable request in asking you to sign a document. Refusal for doing so is grounds for termination all by itself. Huh. Well, I've seen the employer provide a document that says in very small print, quote, by signing, you are not acknowledging the contents to be true, end quote. Exactly. What, what is that? You don't want to be fooled by this language. You must. I mean, I'm not saying I've seen it often. I've just seen it like once. <laughs> once is too many times. <laughs> exactly. You must stamp out any assertion made on the document by denying it in writing. I should mention quickly, typically in a corrective action notice, not termination, the employer also includes an itsy-bitsy print. Further instances of misconduct will result in discipline up to and including termination. The employer will insert this in coaching or annual review documents as well, and it changes the complexion of the document to a warning. I don't want to stray off course. I'll be talking about corrective action notices in our next podcast. Okay, now you've really got me riled up. <laughs> so back to the conference room and the termination. Do we have to? Before signing the termination notice, read it. And then write on the document that you disagree with it. But don't necessarily write, I disagree. Be more wordy, right? I did not do what this alleges. Or this allegation is false after each sentence. Even if you believe every word of it to be maybe true? Yes. Deny, deny, deny. Worry about what the employer can prove later. Huh. Let's just say... You're accused of sleeping on the job. I mean, wouldn't you if you had to get up at three in the morning every day? <laughs> well, okay. I'm not saying I, I really know what it's like. I'm just saying, for example. Okay, I'll go with that. Ask to confront your accuser. The employer will deny your request, your reasonable request. But what you're doing is building a file against the employer by doing this. Oh. You're actually letting your employer know that you're not accepting their accusations. Maybe the accuser, you know, a Dave, a Susan, or whoever has a personal reason to get you in trouble or to get rid of you. Maybe you're standing in the way of their promotion. Oh, I've seen that. All right. A lot of times when people are accused of something, whether it's sleeping or something else, it's because they have an ulterior motive. And I use that as an example because I think it's a good example. With sleeping, typically someone walks by in the hall and thinks you're sleeping because the light is out in the room you're occupying. 
or takes a picture from a distance and interprets what they're seeing for their own purposes, what you're doing. What else would you be doing with the lights out? <laughs> now get your mind out of the gutter. Exactly my point. People are cynical. The employee could be on a break or waiting for someone to finish their work so they can go back to work. Or maybe no one bothered to change the light bulb. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean it doesn't necessarily mean that they're that they're sleeping on the job. That's just the way it is. I mean, maybe they're meditating. They could be doing that. Or maybe they just close their eyes for just a millisecond when that person walked by and happened to take a photo. Exactly. Oh, okay. Lisa, you, you know this better than me. Okay. So, so anyway, right on the termination document, quote, I politely asked to speak to my accuser and I've been denied, end quote. If you are given a paragraph with several sentences, write deny after each sentence. This shows someone down the road, presumably a hearing officer, administrative law judge at an unemployment hearing, that you read each sentence and you were competent enough to understand what was written. Competency and credibility go a long way to future unemployment hearing. Also, I'd write, I spoke to my supervisor and I was approved for this or whatever it is that they're accusing you of. If you have your cell phone with you, try and take a picture of the document. Then it's time to go. Lisa, do we have that audio from Anthony Scaramucci? Yeah, for our listeners, remember Anthony Scaramucci, who was appointed White House Communications Director for then-President Trump? Just 10 days into the job, he was terminated. The mooch, as he's known. He's often a commentator on CNN, right? Yeah, even when you're holding one of the most prestigious jobs in the country, there's no guarantee your job is safe. We asked the mooch what happened when he was terminated. Here's what he had to say. Lisa and Spencer, how did it feel as a white-collar worker to be fired by Trump? Did I know it was coming? Well, let me put it to you this way. After the stupid shit that I said to that reporter who decided that he was going to make it public, uh, even though I thought it was off the record, I'm going to get fired. Uh, it happens in Washington from time to time. So, yes, I thought I was getting fired. In fact, I thought if I got through that Monday, I thought, well, maybe they're going to give me a break and I'll catch a mulligan. But I didn't. I got fired. It's probably the best thing that happened to me, saved my marriage and career. And I think that's the message for people on the Beat the Boss podcast. Whatever you think is happening to you that looks bad, it may turn out to be quite good. And you can get through it and get through anything. He had John Kelly deliver the news. John Kelly and I have become very good friends. And whenever you're fired, you handle it like a gentleman, shake hands. And if anything, I've always accepted full accountability, Spencer and Lisa, for my firing. So I hope that's helpful. I love the guy, but I disagree with the shaking hands idea. Everyone knows it's morally correct, but as they say in Jamaica, Irie. Well, that's one thing they say. <laughs> the other thing they say is the moment you separate from employment, you don't owe the employer anything. <laughs> Most of our audience would think otherwise. What the mooch didn't say is whether he shook Trump's hand. I mean, we know he hates Trump now, but he didn't then. So where's the handshake with Trump? Well, that's the part I find interesting, but of course not surprising. It's my understanding that Trump never terminated anyone personally, aside from doing it on his former TV reality show. Did you hear they now coined the phrase, if you work for someone for 10 days or less, you've pulled a scaramouche? <laughs> well, anyway, wait till you hear from actor Michael Rappaport. He weighed in, and he also doesn't mince words. So when you separate from your job, the employer will say, Go ahead and file for unemployment benefits. We won't contest your benefits. Who says that? Well, typically the HR manager. 
because they're trying to get you out of the office. But you want to get it in writing right at that moment and watch what happens when you ask for it. They'll refuse and they'll change the subject. Does the employer control your receiving your benefits? No. They are only witnesses for the state. Oftentimes, the employer will tell you to go file, and then you'll receive notice that they're contesting your claim. Happens all the time. Jeez, we should call this segment Snakes and Serpents. Let's get something straight. When you file, the state asks the employer questions about your separation. If the employer does not respond, then the state has to accept what you as a claimant writes in the application to be true. Okay, then. So um, give me a hypothetical. Okay. Say you're a cook and you deliberately serve your boss a heavily salted entree. <laughs> and you do this because he stiffed you at the last pay period. Okay? The boss finds out what you did. Oh, come on. How would he find out? Coworkers. They talk a lot. That's for another episode. So as I was saying, the boss finds out what you did and you get fired. Because you increased his blood pressure with too much salt. <laughs> or you killed him. <laughs> then in your unemployment application for benefits, you write, I don't know why I was let go. I didn't do anything wrong. But that's not true. Maybe. But it's for the state to prove true or not true. The state needs the employer to say your statement isn't true. And if the employer doesn't respond, will you be granted your benefits? Yes, because your employer failed to refute your statement. However, if your employer informs the state we were justified to terminate his employment because of the excess salt <laughs> purposefully added to the food item, <laughs> you're going to have a hearing. Ah, then the fun begins. Gosh, the employer just won't let you live. <laughs> they usually don't. Now, the employer becomes a witness for the state. So their appearance may or may not be necessary depending on who appeals the initial determination by the state. If the claimant appeals an adverse determination, the employer need not appear. If the employer appeals, they must appear or the case is dismissed. If you need more information about this, folks, and don't understand what this all means, you can email me at spencer at beattheboss.tv. How does anyone know this stuff? They don't. That's why we're here doing these podcasts, Lisa, to inform, not just to entertain. So to continue, I should add, if you quit your job, you'll have a hearing regardless if the employer shows up or not. In a discharge, the employer is present nine times out of ten. I have a question. Have you ever had cases where the employer tells the claimant they won't contest their claim? Regularly. Really? The claimant tells me, my former employer said they will not be on the phone for the hearing. And then when they appear, the claimant's shocked to hear they're present. The thing I hear a thousand times from the employer during an unemployment hearing is, Susie was a good employee. I really want her to collect her benefits. Well, then why are they present? What a freaking snake. Yep, snakes and serpents. <laughs> My response is, then, then why are you here trying to prevent my client from receiving her benefit? What does the employer usually say? Usually, oh, I'm required by the state to be here, or it's my right to attend, in which I respond, if you really want Susie to collect her benefits, all you have to do is hang up the phone, and the judge won't call you back. Would you like to hang up? 
The employer responds, no. Snake. This goes directly to the employer's credibility. They say they want someone to collect, but their actions say something different. They don't want their unemployment tax rate to increase. So there's a monetary interest in being present for the unemployment hearing. So bottom line, shaking hands in the end doesn't mean mooch. I mean much. Is that your late night routine? Well, you know, I was on late night. Oh, please. Let's save the Jay Leno story for later. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the pandemic and its effect on workers. Employees have left or they're not coming back to work because they don't feel safe or because they live with someone who is medically at high risk or they themselves are at high risk. Leaving a job or not going into work without calling in is job abandonment after two days by the employer. Well, I wouldn't go to work if I was at high risk. In your case, low risk or high risk, you'd rather shop. (laughs) Well, Old Navy didn't see me for an entire year. You know, I thought I was essential to their business. The mistake people make is that they believe they're high risk or they feel unsafe. And the state doesn't care how you feel. You need a doctor's note to explain your problem. I represented a woman who worked as an ultrasound specialist at a chiropractor's office. She told me that it wasn't necessary to use the ultrasound on patients, but the chiropractor wanted the bill, so he called her into work. This is during the pandemic? Yeah. She refused because she felt she was at risk, and the ultrasound was not essential to her. The judge did not find good cause for her refusal to work. Unfortunately, the problem is there are folks that think the pandemic is a hoax, while others take it very seriously. And the judges at unemployment hearings accept the employer's bare statement that they've done everything possible to protect their employees as gospel. That just doesn't seem right. Do employers have a pandemic policy in place as an addendum to their handbook? Jeez, I'm starting to sound like you. You need to be from Philly to sound like me. An employee is at a distinct disadvantage when leaving a job due to the pandemic, unless you have an ironclad doctor's note to protect you. You can also request a leave of absence or even ask for fewer hours temporarily to reduce your risk of exposure. In any event, exhaust all possible options before walking away. If you do walk without a note, keep a journal of your communications with your employer. That way, it's harder for your employer to prove you abandoned your job. It's time for the tip of the week. You know, Lisa, people ask me all the time when they should file for unemployment benefits. Well, that's simple. You file when you're not working. Nope. You file while you're working. That doesn't make sense. Makes all the sense in the world. So you think you know who your employer is, right? Mm-hmm. Perhaps you may think you work for a big box company, but you may actually be working for a staffing leasing company. Would you rather know who you're working for while you're working or be surprised at an unemployment hearing? Well, that's a good point. You know, I once worked for a radio station and I was delegated to a staffing company and I found out about it months later by happenstance. You know, there was a discrepancy with my paycheck. I took it to my boss and he said, I'm not your boss. Take it up with the staffing company. I didn't know what to do. The next reason is to to ensure your employer is paying their unemployment taxes. I see that. But what if you're a nanny and the employer pays you $1,000 cash but only reports, let's say, 500 bucks? That's right. That's what happens often. The third reason is perhaps you are making less than your unemployment benefit. 
the state could subsidize you for the difference. Won't the employer get mad that you're filing while you're working? Maybe, because the employer might not understand your motive. Otherwise, why would they get mad? Unless they were doing something illegal, and no one wants to work for a fraudulent employer, right? I it, agree. It, it's okay for the employer to check on you as an employee, but it's not okay to check on your employer? Well, I agree with that. So in our next podcast, we're going to explain how getting fired is better than quitting, even though it may not feel very good at the time. Okay, now we're going to review my top 10 cases, all real and all true. All right, let's start with number 10. A supervisor was fired when he deliberately placed liquid on the ground to see if his employee would clean it up. The owner slips and breaks his arm. What an idiot. Number nine, a bank teller got in trouble for being over in her cash drawer, so she gave the overage to a good cause her friend with five children. With cashiers or tellers, if their drawer is balanced, it's unusual. Okay. Number eight, an employee quit her job because she was too stressed out at work. Her coworkers always fed the fish in the aquarium and the fish kept dying from overeating. What a nightmare. (laughs) Number seven, an employee was fired because he didn't follow uniform policy, but he was so skinny that his pants kept falling below his waist, causing him to wear his uniform incorrectly. I remember that one. He kept having a violation when he reached for the fries at McDonald's. (laughs) Here's number six. A doctor decides to take a chicken home that's been dropped on the floor. He's fired for theft. Even though it was dropped and placed in the trash, it was still the employer's property. Technically, an employee could drop chickens all day if that's what they wanted (laughs) for dinner. (laughs) Number five. A health worker writes on her Facebook page about all the annoyances at work and how she hates her job. Her boss visits her page and fires her. Ah, social media, a real killer. Even if you like something that is morally questionable, could jeopardize your job. Number four, a supervisor promised his employee a cell phone if she would give him oral sex. She quits her job but keeps the phone. She said she earned it. I don't have any comment for that. (laughs) Number three, an employee is fired for lighting a cardboard toilet paper roll in the bathroom to absorb the awful odors from poor air ventilation. The sprinklers go off and the fire department is summoned. Gotta love his creativity. (laughs) Number two, a racetrack announcer's new dentures became loose while calling a race, causing him to slur his speech. The racetrack fired him for drinking on the job. It was a f f f finish. Drum roll, please. And the number one case, an alligator wrestler was fired for abusing his reptile. The alligator wrestler used to practice with the reptile for his Everglades show. <laughs> this was interesting because he had this huge scar on his face. And I remember it came in my office and I asked him if the alligator was responsible for that. And he responded, matter of fact, like, no, my wife did that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, Spencer, several listeners have emailed you some questions, so which I'm looking at right now. So how about answering some? Okay. This is from Tammy from Des Moines, Iowa. She says, I want to quit my job because I feel like I'm underpaid. Is that a good enough reason to quit? It depends, Tammy, on whether the employer has significantly increased your duties and responsibilities. Have you asked for a raise? Have you been denied the raise? Most importantly... Has the employer given you assurances that he will increase your wages by a certain date and failed to do so? I need to know a little bit more about your unique situation. Feel free to contact me to discuss. My email for everyone is spencer at beattheboss.tv. 
Okay, this one's from Leo in Richardson, Texas. He says, I am constantly bothered at work. My coworkers purposefully bump my chair when I'm in it and hit me with spitballs when no one's around. They throw used tissues on my desk or hide my stapler from me. What should I do? Well, Leo, keep a journal of what is happening. And after several entries, contact your supervisor and memorialize the conversation. Give the supervisor a few days to remedy the problem. If it continues, contact Human Resources and show them your journal of incidences. Give them a few days to fix the problem. If that fails, contact the police. That will motivate the people at your work to act, and I'm sure of it. You could call the police? Sure, absolutely. For spitballs? It's an assault. Oh, my goodness. All right, I'm looking at another one from, let me see, uh, Stephen from Los Angeles, California. He says, I'm a bagger at Ralph's and I'm religious. My boss changed my hours and now he won't allow me to leave early for work on Friday. I only need to leave 30 minutes earlier before sunset. What should I do? Again, tell your supervisor your concerns. If he or she refuses to accommodate you, contact Human Resources. If they also refuse to accommodate, file a charge with the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission and then find a lawyer. Okay. William from New York City says, I just started a sales job for a telephone company, and after a week on the job, I found a non-compete agreement on my desk left for me to sign. What if I don't sign it? Perhaps the employer will terminate you until your sales manager asks for it. Or you can immediately confront your supervisor and question it based on the agreement's parameters. The manager will say something like, it's a standard agreement. What's the radius of coverage? 50 miles is standard, but in New York City, maybe not so much. What's the time period after you separate from employment? Did you accept the job knowing that you would have to sign it? If not, is the employer prepared to compensate you for signing? Again, I would hire an attorney to review the non-compete agreement. Finally, before we finish, we asked our buddy actor Michael Rappaport with credits in the film True Romance, and he played Phoebe's boyfriend in the television show Friends and often appears on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen about his employment experiences. So here's his sage advice. Spencer, you and Lisa are doing your thing, life of an actor. You don't get jobs all the time, literally all the fucking time. That's just part of the life and the times of what I, you know, what I do as an actor. There's disappointments all the time. The, the most important thing is to never give up, never stop believing in yourself. It's never, it never feels fair, but you know, life is not fucking fair. You feel like an asshole, you feel like a piece of shit, but you just can't fucking give up. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep just believing in yourself. Sounds like a cliche, but at the end of the day, that's all you have. You got to be your biggest fan and your biggest critic. All right? Good luck with the podcast. Good luck with the book. Take it easy, you guys. He's a funny guy. Stay tuned for our next podcast next week. In the meantime, you can always send me an email at spencer at beattheboss.tv or contact me direct at 954-600-7666. If I'm not in a hearing... I'll answer the phone. I'm also on Twitter under The Work Wiz. Beat the Boss podcast is designed to offer information and awareness of issues at the workplace. It is not intended to give legal advice. Always consult an attorney in your area for your particular situation. 